Pontius Pilate, the Roman procurator, asked Jesus if he were a king. And Jesus responded, My kingdom is not of this world. Otherwise, my own would fight to release me. I am a king. And for this purpose, I was born. And for this purpose, I have come to this world to bear witness to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Then Pilate simply asked, What is the truth? And there must have been this uncomfortable silence on Pilate's behalf as he just stared into Jesus' burning eyes. Because Jesus is the personification of truth. This solemnity of Christ the King is a profession of our faith that ultimately there is a moral standard in the universe that all is not in flux, random, chaotic, that there is good, that there is the true and the beautiful. And in the end, as we read in St. Paul, in the end, Christ triumphs. Triumphs over darkness, selfishness, and ugliness. At the beginning of the 20th century, there was a lot of darkness. There was a lot of ugliness. There was a lot of war. There was a lot of hatred. And seeing the world slide into atheism after World War I, on December 11, 1925, Pope Pius XI established the Feast of Christ the King in his official letter titled Quas Primas. And he wrote the following. Manifold evils in the world were due to the fact that the majority of men and women had thrust Jesus Christ out of, thrust Jesus Christ and his holy law out of their lives, that these had no place either in private affairs or in politics. And we said further that as long as individuals and states refuse to submit to the rule of our Savior, there would be no really hopeful prospect of lasting peace among nations. So where can the human person where can the human heart go if Jesus Christ is thrown out into the gutter? Where do we turn? Who has the words of everlasting life? St. Augustine famously wrote, Our hearts are restless until they rest in you. In you, Lord. So the human heart ultimately goes off course without Jesus Christ. 
And he himself said it. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. So, a king, a king has battles to wage, to extend his kingdom and to protect his kingdom. So, as Pilate stared into those eyes of Jesus, he was trying to think as well to fathom of what turf Jesus was king. What was his turf? You know, he said, my kingdom is not of this world, okay? Where is it? The moon? Mars? The turf is not actual ground, but the heart of every person on the face of the earth is the turf for Christ the King. And the first battle that he wages, because it is a battle, is to convince each one of us that we are unconditionally loved by his Heavenly Father. That is the number one battle. Because when one has assimilated this and accepted that, one's life is different. One's life has hope. One's life has purpose and meaning and joy. God would take, therefore, the first step to bringing this heart back. It is the heart of Christ the King that searches us out first. He meets us exactly where we are. He doesn't say, come on a little further here. Here, you gotta get, come a little more, come on a little more. No, he goes exactly where we are. And there, respectfully says, I love you. My Father loves you. And we heard this in the first reading. The lost I will seek. The strayed I will bring back. The injured I will bind up. And the sick I will heal. The second battle. To convince us that his mercy endures forever. His mercy as king. He has conquered sin and death through his resurrection as St. Paul so beautifully wrote. To receive mercy once is what a gift. But we must continually ask for it. We can fall in two ways. Usually, I mean, one way it can be, you know, just, I'm going to do this. It's malicious. I freely choose it. I want it. Boom. I do it. And guilt comes in. Makes a person feel bad. I've sinned. Go back to the Lord. The second type of failure might be a constant repetition of a sin. And it's not so much willful as more of sickness. And we must see that Jesus is the doctor. Our king is a doctor. And he wants us to turn to him for healing. And we must be very patient with ourselves. And frequently I hear this in the sacrament of penance. Father, I get tired of coming here. I get tired. I don't want to come anymore. It's like, come. We all need healing. 
It's not like we got to create new, new sins to go to confession. we got plenty that are on the menu. But we go to reconciliation for healing. Jesus, when we open our hearts to Jesus, he gives us the grace for healing. And therefore, when we're healed, when we are in this process of healing, our hearts have the capacity to love. And the gospel is clear that we heard today that we will be judged, as St. John of the Cross said, on our love, how we love one another. Love is never easy. It often clashes with contemporary culture. And we must never tire, therefore, fighting for, for love, for human rights, especially the rights to worship freely and to proclaim Jesus freely. Still today, still today, governments stifle people's rights to worship. As I mentioned, in the early 20th century, there was a lot of darkness. And Christ was stamped out literally, visibly, in countries just south of the border, just south of the border, Mexico. There was a, a lot of us don't know about this, but it's called the Cristero War. And the Cristero was given, the name was given by the Masonic government of Mexico. The most anti-clerical constitution ever written was in Mexico. And they set out on a rampage to stifle the church, to root out any priest or nun. And there were over 200,000 people within 10 years that were killed. There are two saints I want to I want to showcase here, and with this I finish. Because when one's heart is filled with the love of God, there is no fear. So the first one is Father Miguel Pro, a Jesuit. You might have seen pictures of him when he was before he was killed. They lined him up at a firing squad, and they said, "Deny your faith." And with incredible courage, which came from Jesus Christ the King, he opened his arms up and stood there in cruciform and said, Long live Christ the King. And there gave witness his martyrdom for our Lord. He's a saint. Miracles have worked through his intercession. And the second one is a, was a 14-year-old boy. Many of you have 14-year-old children. There's a 14-year-old boy who, during this war, wanted to help somehow, some way, whether it be just to move some horses, to feed the horses, or whatever, of soldiers. And he was captured. And he was captured and then brought in, and actually it was one of his uncles who was on the side of the Masonic government, and said, Jose, look, this is a very bad place. You can go home to your mom, but just, you know, just say that you deny Jesus and you'll be happy to go and be with your mom and dad. And he said, no, I will not go. I will not deny our Lord. So it went back and forth, back and forth, and so torturing him. And so much of the torture was, one of the things that they did, and it's not to make it graphic or anything, but they, they filleted his feet the bottom of his feet, and they made him walk 
through town over a mile, and there before his grave, because they had it dug out already, they said, deny your faith. A 14-year-old boy. And he turned and he said, long live Christ the King. And there they shot him, and through his, he died, and through his intercession, miracles have happened. You can't stifle the love of God. Death has no victory over anyone who is in Christ Jesus.